Welcome to the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you manage your money better, invest wisely, retire early, and grow your wealth for you and your family and live your best life. My name is Tony Thomas, Charter Financial Planner, Pension Specialist, and Money Coach. I've advised thousands of people over the last 30 years. I'm going to share with you real life stories and everything that you need to know to build a financially secure future and a great lifestyle. If you enjoy the podcast, then feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. I'm really pleased to be joined by Steve Connolly on my show today. Uh, so massive welcome to you, Steve, and thank you for joining me. Steve Hello. is an author of the book, Your Money or Your Life, and also the founder of the Academy of Life Planning, which I'm really interested in and I want to know a lot more about. And Steve has also had a very successful career in the city. And so Steve, uh, for those who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about, about you? Yeah. what you do and also your story in terms of uh, where you started to where you are now so over to you sir. yeah so uh, up to the age of 50 I was working in the city as yeah. you said Tony I was a uh, head of investments at HSBC that's where I kind of ended up uh, so I was responsible for all of the uh, wealth brands of HSBC in the United Kingdom and uh, I kind of had to launch big businesses every year uh, platforms, funds, multi-billion pound projects. And the biggest challenge for me was like the financial planning problem in the, in the UK market and globally actually, which is the advice gap. And I was trying to figure out if I, I thought if I could come up with an answer with how to kind of plug the advice gap, then uh, that would be a great development for, for the market. And I kind of did some research and I found out what the problem was. And the problem was trust. It wasn't about professionalism, it wasn't about products. Uh, it was simply came down to the, the banks, the financial services industries, the least trusted of all industries globally, according to Edelman Trust. Do you Barometer. still think that is the case? Yeah, it's, uh, they do a survey every year, year after year. It's been improving uh, since the surveys began in 2012, 2011, 2012, which is when I kind of found out. Uh, the survey has been repeated every year and, and the trust levels have been uh, improving. This is the good news. The bad news is it's still worse than any other industry. Yeah, okay. And, that's uh, that's uh, quite alarming, um, being in that industry. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's an industry where actually trust matters most. You know, yeah, absolutely. The, uh, you, you promise to pay the bearer on demand about the money and if they're not going to pay you when you demand it, then obviously the trust breaks down. Uh, the industry hasn't done itself any favours. There's been a lot of you know, bad apples in the market and you know, forever we're seeing something in the press. So I kind of wanted to find out the most trusted model in the world. Where was it? And I, found, I did find it and I tried to introduce it to the banks and they weren't interested. That was uh, back in 2011, 2012. So it's almost 10 years ago now. May I, why weren't they interested, Steve? Uh, they, it's about profit and shareholders. Uh, so the banks put the interest of shareholders before they do their customers. And uh, and as, as many large institutions do, although they say they don't, they actually do in practice. And they found that, you know, the more, the better return on investment on shareholders' funds could be obtained from lending 
So uh, giving people credit cards, giving people, you know, credit cards, you pay 26% interest yeah. on, like getting 26% return on equity. Uh, if they put the marketing budgets on that, where the savings or investments are getting nothing on savings, uh, very, very thin margins. And on wealth, they said was a zero-sub gain, gain because they paid out uh, in fines, uh, redress payments, uh, having to run compensation administration practices to give people back money from mis-selling scandals. It proved a zero-sum game well. So the, the banks decided back in 2012, when they were banning commission under the Retail Distribution Review, that they would exit the market. So the bank assurance sort of disappeared overnight. There was 10,000 yeah, advisors. Yeah. I remember that job. well. So. Yeah, so... I have this model for the trusted advisor, which I piloted at the bank. I've been working with a guy called George Kinder. Uh, George is the uh, grandfather of life planning. So what I did is I found that the most trusted advice model globally was uh, there's the life planning model where the, the boutique firms in the UK and abroad uh, were used, planning the client before planning the money. They were treating the client as the customer, not the money. They were acting on behalf of the client, working out what the client wanted to do with their life, rather working to the agenda of the product providers, which is the traditional model. Yeah. So uh, we piloted it and proved something called the customer relationship dividend. And this is where uh, if you, so with HSBC, they, before the pilot, the clients were only investing one pound in every eight with the bank. Uh, they put the other seven elsewhere because they didn't trust the bank yeah. to run the money. Uh, client meetings, the, the advisors, financial planning managers were having to have four meetings before they'd get a client and right. see, see four people. So the conversion rates were 25%. But yeah. what happened after the pilot, the, the uh, customers that went in City Branch in uh, London and Canary Wharf Branch who sat with, pilot, uh, with the pilot advisors, uh, they were delighted that it was the best financial conversation they'd had in 25 years. Uh, they uh, were prepared to trust all their money, the bank to run all their money, because they felt that the advisor was someone they could trust. Yeah. So they gave £8 in eight and one. And uh, then the customer go out and tell their uh, friends, neighbours, you know, about this service. And the next thing you know, it sat in front of you was the friend or neighbour. And uh, they were ready to sign up before you'd even begun because they wanted the planning service. So it's yeah. a tremendous success. So George and I were really excited. We thought, you know, this is going to take off. But then the retail distribution review, they said, you know, we've decided to spend our marketing budgets on lending. Yeah. And we're going to sack all the advisors. So that yeah. was the end of it. And that I left in disgust. <laughs> it <laughs> seems like an opportunity really missed by the banks. Yeah. Because um, no doubt if uh, HSBC... Uh, would have taken this on board then other banks would have done the same so it's um it seems that um um a real shame that they didn't adopt this yeah so it's, uh, the hsbc has 500 million customers globally so i was planning to roll it out to 500 million people uh have wow. the pilot approved so yeah, it just well, wasn't gonna be well uh, I think, as you know, I used to work for HSBC. Uh, I left before 2012. So, um, so you know, I, I know a little bit about HSBC um, as well. So it's, um, you know, I, I had high esteem or that held HSBC in high esteem. So it is a shame. So. 
Yeah, and it wasn't just HSBC, it was all the banks. Yeah, actually, you're right, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was chairman of the British Bankers Association's Bank Assurance Steering Group. So I was the lead uh, in, the, in the discussions with the regulator leading up to RDR. I kind of chaired, chaired the committee yeah. uh, uh, representing the banks. And I knew that you know, Lloyds, Barclays, Santander, everyone had the same intention. Everyone laid off their, yeah. their financial advisors. Yeah, they did. There's yeah. no money. Yeah, a lot so of them joined was, the uh, IFA ranks. So. so then I joined the real world of uh, being self-employed. <laughs> Uh, running my own business and uh, you know it's, it was a steep learning curve set up initially as a regulated firm tried to kind of do the regulated yeah advise trusted advisor model um but it's, i found the barriers to entry very high and very difficult to make it on your own uh, as a small you know, boutique firm uh, i was paying everyone else before I paid myself and I was paying myself very little and you know two years into it I kind of my savings had pretty much diminished and I thought right, okay. this this can't be right you know although I had you know two dozen happy clients I, I couldn't really make it work the only really way you can make it work these days I think is if you join a big firm but then the big firms are doing the traditional product sales transactional model yeah. and we're, yeah. we're interested in planning the client you see it's kind of um, bit airy fairy you know not down to it but now you know it's funny how things of the last 10 years have emerged because now the transactional type firms are under pressure cost wise yeah. even you know the successful firms they're finding you know particularly with the COVID-19 new business income has dropped dramatically and the regulator is pointing at their ongoing income and saying, "Yeah, we, you know, we want to do a few, make a few changes regarding that." So that's under threat. Yeah, uh, I know, I the, know that from personal experience. So it's um, um, and it's get, becoming more and more difficult. Uh, I think every day, and uh, that with regards to uh, regulation and the FCA uh, and the requirements, then uh, it does make uh, being in business as a traditional uh, financial advisor much more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And when I found that I was doing the trusted financial planning model, uh, the actual need to do a transaction started to go down. So when I start, sat down and started planning the client instead of planning the product, uh, the outcome for the client was often a, a kind of mini business plan. I used to do business plans in the bank, building yeah. these massive businesses. And I, I kind of sat down with the clients and I, I worked out that the best way to kind of improve their finances is putting a little three-year or five-year business plan for them, the, the business of you, and uh, work, show them how they could uh, create wealth. Because they, I found that there's actually no products that can create wealth. The products actually manage wealth or, or run your wealth, yeah. preserve your wealth. You don't there's, actually create There's a, there's a big distinction between the two, so. So it's the client that creates yeah. the wealth. So they need the plan, a little business plan for them to work out, you know, if you want to improve, overcome your shortfalls on your cash flow forecast, then the best way to do that is uh, to get an extra client a month yeah. or, you know, to get, get promotion or, you know, or change your hours or, you know, yeah. to, or do something on the, as a sideline. So it's all these ideas. And I was putting in place these mini plans for the clients and not recommending products. And I, I kind of scratch my head and thinking, well, if I'm struggling as a business to make it work, paying out my uh, 
paying the network, paying the uh, FCA, paying my PII, you know, professional indemnity insurance, paying out all this money and I was getting nothing for myself. And all that cost was actually to do with transactions and the planning when I was kind of planning the claim. That, none of the costs related to that, but that was where all the value was for that clients. Mm-hmm. So I kind of evolved the model and it, the pure financial planning model, uh, if you just focus on the client, I mean, these days, investment returns are a commodity. You can achieve them. And I'm, I'm kind of seeing increasing awareness of the general public that you can actually do as well, if not better, after charges um, uh, with the um, doing a, a simple, say, passive retail multi-asset yeah. on the yeah. platform. You can do that, save yourself up to 1% a year on charges. And um, you can run yourself, you set it up, it, you don't have to, continually watch it. it you just buy it and hold it and run it for 50 years and uh, and then you just can just focus on the financial planning which is uh, retirement planning the tax planning all the things that a skilled and qualified financial planner can really add value yeah. for the client yeah. yeah and that's where the real value is in financial planning pure financial planning I think a lot of advisors have uh, recognized that and I think that is a gradual uh, change towards that but I think if you are going down the road as an advisor, a traditional advisor, certainly on the transactional sort of side, or purely focusing on uh, uh, obtaining better returns for the client, then you are going to come and stick. Because obviously, yeah. you know, we have these types of events which have happened uh, recently, and which is out of your control. And as a result of that, obviously, performance goes out the window. Um, so it's yeah. all about the added value that you add to a client. Uh, in whatever format that you're advising these people on. But I, t- I totally agree is that uh, I think there's much more need to provide added value to clients um, yeah. so they can, um, I mean, I like to, to be in a situation where you're, you're educating people um, as much as you can so they are making their own choices. Uh, and yes, if they can do it themselves, then why not? Yeah, absolutely. They are. And is a, there is an argument for the transactional model still. So some clients uh, appreciate the research and product selection, uh, but the outcome is not going to be a better return than you can get on the market. It's not yeah. going to be a market-beating return. It might be a better features and yeah. products and services. Uh, so, and it's also the time it takes to do all that and implement something. Uh, I kind of understand where high net worth clients you know, they particularly want to pay someone else to do all that for them rather than yeah. do it themselves. So there's still a kind of need for that. Um, but if you kind of, if your client can accept that, you know, if they're prepared to take the 10 minutes to open up a platform account and set something up, um, if an educated client, so you, as a pure financial planner, you educate your clients, as you say, so they're making informed decisions and uh, they've got the pros and cons and understand everything and what and the focus that is on the client's plan yeah. rather than the, the money the product and that sort of thing so so i found that i kind of developed i, I became a master life planner with the kinder institute life planning heavily invested in myself yeah. i do believe that the best investment you can make is in yourself yeah totally agree. Uh, so, so uh, I've, I became a master life planner and uh, I, I trained as an author, I wrote a book, published a book. I trained as a professional speaker. 
yeah. and uh, elite member of the Professional Speakers Academy. So it all goes together in providing something uh, that I now share with the Academy members, which is a blueprint really to doing pure financial planning in a way that I believe is scalable because with uh, the transactional, the regulated financial planning, it's a one-to-one business. So you, you, yeah. can only, you have to make a personal recommendation. You need the circumstances of the client. You make needs to be suitable and that's a one-to-one business. And you can probably, I think the average, according to a new model advisor, the average advisor in the UK has 94 clients. And that's just about the limit, I think. I know yeah. we've probably got more than that. <laughs> well, I, no, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think, uh, you know, over the years, I've had, um, you know, in my various guises and uh, different roles with different organizations, then uh, I think the most I've ever had is 200. But I did have a lot of support. So, you know, it depends on the level of support. But I think uh, it's recognized that around about 100 active clients is there thereabouts in terms of what uh, an advisor can act can really look after and look after well and uh, do those clients or serve those clients well yeah so yeah so, I agree with you. yeah so your time's limited so therefore your business is limited and uh, it becomes what i call a lifestyle business where you're exchanging your time for money yeah and uh, the the thing about the beauty about the non-intermediating financial planning where you take product out uh, is you can actually you don't need the personal circumstances. It's all general advice and financial education, which you can deliver to a group of people. Yeah. And uh, so that, then you can move your model from a one-to-one basis to a one-to-many basis. And you can start running uh, web classes and uh, doing larger groups. And then you can eventually, you know, write a book or produce an ebook or produce a course yourself. And then people could actually download that or buy the book without even needing to see you. And it's, yeah. it comes to what I call this non-to-many business. Uh, now, the beauty about that is you've moved your lifestyle business to an equity-based business and it becomes more valuable as an asset, your business does, because it's not dependent on you being sat there. And uh, you can you know, the, the valuation of the business goes up, uh, multiple times revenue is now worth not one times revenue, it can be worth five times revenue. Uh, so the valuation of the business goes up. But the other thing, interesting thing, it, it creates what we call this nocturnal income for you as an advisor. Because if people are buying your books and buying your courses while you're sleeping, that's, that's a, a passive income coming into you as a, as a business owner. Yeah. And then that could actually solve your long-term um, shortfall in, say, your retirement. Because if you get enough re- recurring income coming into the business from that non-to-many type activity, you could retire. You could, it's what I call, I don't call it retirement because you're still doing stuff that you love, but you got your time back uh, to do all the things you love in life, your life plan. You can start living your life plan and having this money coming in. And, uh, and so you, that's the service for the advisor. And the, the advisor delivers that same service to their client. So the client is, uh, has a mini business plan of them. The client goes from a one-to-one lifestyle business to having a, an equity-based business. And the client starts to kind of get their time back and starts to have a better life plan and starts to have wealth, not just in their bank account, but in every area of their life. So that's the model. It works for the client and it works for the advisor who services the client. It sounds very much like walk the walk. So uh, as an advisor, then... Uh, if you can embrace this for yourself, uh, then 
uh, once you've done that, you can you know believe in everything that, that you've uh, you've learned, and you can obviously then share that with uh, your own clients or and new clients. Um, yeah. I think what it also does as well is that it takes away uh, the need from a, a traditional advisor, where uh, from a commercial point of view, uh, people need to have assets, we say, of a certain level to make it commercial for an advisor to um, for act to act for these uh, for these clients. I think in terms of the, the life planning model, that isn't necessarily the case. Uh, although yeah. it, in some cases, I suppose it can be you know, even more affluent people um, because they, they, they have a tendency to want to do things themselves anyway, but with a bit of guidance. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, so I yeah, well, think people... there's, a, there's a big market for this and it could be a wider spectrum to what a traditional advisor is now currently doing. Yeah. So I think uh, for traditional financial planning, the target client is a high net worth client. So yeah. typically £100,000 yeah. of investable assets or more. Some, some put the threshold up to 250. So that's about 95% to 99% of the population excluded from that model. Yeah. Yeah. Now with this contemporary financial planning model, you target, because you've got wealth creation in your yeah. kit pack, so you can actually go and see a client who hasn't got £100,000 and you can give them £100,000 yeah. through a plan, through a good financial plan. And that's the business of you. And I've done this a couple of times. I've got a couple of examples of yeah, doing this. Yeah, it'd be great if you share those with us. So, yeah. Um, so uh, one was, uh, so these are on my website, but uh, you know, I'll just give you an example. So one was a, a company that I helped. Uh, I, um, a guy called Keith was setting up a pension company for auto-enrollment and yeah. uh, he wanted someone who knew what kind of the industry. Keith had a, another job. He was a, a, he had his own SJP business, but yeah. he wanted to set up an auto-enrollment business on the side with another business part, but they didn't want to work in the business. So they asked me if I would do that and uh, did that. It's basically this business plan of you. I said, well, what's the business plan? Because that's what the uh, pure financial planner brings to the table. Yeah the ability to plan and uh, put in place a plan. And what it was, was one of these um, non-to-many kind of business model is what I created, a scalable model. I, instead of doing a lifestyle model for auto-enrollment, I did an um, equity-based model for auto-enrollment, which means that okay. the, the system did it all for yeah. you. And as a result of that, the other the people who were doing lifestyle auto-enrollment, they were charging couple of grand to set up an auto-enrollment scheme for their yeah. customers but with my system it was 19 pound a month really? so, All right. yeah. so uh so I, the business was a startup um and in three years we there were 64,000 other companies trying to be auto-enrollment experts yeah i know i was one of them <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the end of it, I don't think it was about a handful, but I was a uh, workplace pension director of the company and it, uh, we grew it to market leader. Uh, it was the market leader. It's uh, number one. It was uh, in, in three years, it became a seven figure from zero to uh, it was worth uh, seven figures the, 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 for the shareholders. Nice. Uh, so, it, and it was a shortlisted finalist for Yorkshire Business Masters Awards uh, for the services. It did for yeah, and it had you know the prominent standard to Countex in, in London, so it was massive. It suddenly went massive. So that was that. That was that example. It was a good testimony from Keith on the website. Um, at the same time, just to show that I wasn't kind of doing that full time, I was a, 
um, agreed to be a non-executive director for another client called Marilyn. Uh, Marilyn was setting up a charity to help Nottingham Education Employment Teams in the North Northwest, mm -hmm. Wigan, uh, uh, to get them into employment in manufacturing and industry through motor racing, interesting motor racing. So um, we've kind of got them building motor racing carts and got some ex-soldiers involved and um, who were showing the kids how to make things. And we got 3D printing uh, the carts and things. It's all science and technology. Yeah. Uh, but she needed from me, she needed a business plan and she needed help uh, filling in funding applications and putting the case together. So it's, it's the mini business of you again who comes into yeah. the final. Yeah plan the game plan which is part of the game plan anyway uh, this week um the news was that the they've been offered uh funding uh by manchester uh, local authority for four million pounds so they've just won a contract for four million to build i did see a headline on that so yeah. um that did grab my attention so i knew it was linked to obviously what you had helped them with uh, earlier so um, I can't think of a better example of how uh, uh, life planning, the way that you do things, uh, actually works. Yeah, it's just so it's you know I, I'm, there's no pro that was less than five years you know so it's I can't think of an investment we don't even recommend a, an investment product where it's less than five years. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you've, got, you've got nothing to offer in your kit bag as a traditional financial advisor to help a client create four million pound in wealth in, in a five year period, but as a a pure financial planner, you can. It's the business plan of you. Yeah. It's about how many clients do we need, how many applications do we need to fill in for funding, how can we improve the application. It's working as a personal business coach with your client at the execution stage of the game plan. Now, the other life planning gurus in the market, they kind of are very precious about their material and they kind of can train you up on it, but then uh, they want to license it, you know. If you kind of use it as a business, they want fifty percent of your profit and all that oh, sort of okay. thing. So it's more like a franchise, is it? Yeah. So I wanted an open source model. I want to say no. I actually want everyone. I want the five hundred million people that I was aiming to yeah. life planned, life planned. You know, and, and the only way I'm going to do that is have an open source model and just uh, make it available to the membership of the academy. Uh, show them how to do it, uh, give them all my documentation and uh, say, you know, you just repurpose it for your own business, tweak it, make it your own, uh, add to it your skills and knowledge to make it uniquely yours yeah. and, uh, you know, and, and start helping people to create wealth because running, running your own, you know, running money is not something where value is added by the industry. Um, there's something else as well that's more fundamental. Um, and that is that I think the financial industry, the way it's been set up for centuries, is that during your working life, the idea is you hand over your money to the industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, they run the money taking their cut. Yeah. Take a big cut, and so often a hidden cut. <laughs> but they're taking, and they're probably taking more of the return than you are as a client. You know, and then they eventually, at the end of your life, give you the, the money back. So we're kind of on this, encouraging the economy to kind of work on this treadmill of working existence for the best part of 50 years on the bet we can buy ourselves happiness and freedom in the last 16 yeah. years of our life. And we have this process of doing jobs that we're not very happy with, getting pay rises that barely keep pace with inflation, 
um, where the bosses are getting you know super profits on, yeah. on the business and the idea is so the boss runs a business plan for themselves and then employs people and gives the cost of like cost of living increases and that's kind of the treadmill for the best part of 50 years and you're hoping you can buy this freedom and happiness but as we said before only 95 percent of people don't actually have more than a hundred thousand pounds at the end of that yeah. process yeah. and they're not going to buy themselves much of a freedom and happiness in the last 16 years of life with that so it's not working and uh, this process is you kind of hand, it, hand over your money while you're on this treadmill and uh, where, you, where you might not be happy uh, on this bet. So that's kind of the process. But this process where you create wealth as a planner, you kind of say, well, actually, what would be a happy life? And let's do that in the next three years. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's give you happiness, create some wealth. And so what I found was so with the business of you, the plan uh, for the client to actually create you know from their interests and hobby their talents and values uh a sideline in the business they, they they're then the boss of themselves and they create this um income uh that, that and an asset that goes into lifetime cash flow that makes good the shortfalls yeah. and if you can move it from the lifestyle business to an equity-based business it also fixes the retirement shortfall and now you're not handing over any money in fact yeah you know, you are the business that yeah. you're investing in, and the best investment, as I said, you can make is in yourself, and that's the return you can get from that investment is far greater than if you hand over your money to other people for them to do that and to take their share, which you might not see a lot of the profit on. So, I think this is a kind of solution to the advice gap that we talked about uh, because it's non-regulated. The costs are a lot lower, which means mm -hmm. you don't have to charge as much to get the same margins as an advisor yeah. so you can start serving people who have less than a hundred thousand and helping them to create a hundred thousand or more in the process so i think it's a great social benefit from pure financial planning well i think it's, it's certainly going to help uh, many more people than traditional uh, financial planning uh, there's i don't think there's any question about that uh, i think that the obviously the world that we live in is so uncertain as well is that you you need to have uh, what I would suggest is more than one income stream as well, uh, whether you are as a client or as a as a planner, uh, because you know there are occasions and we all go through different cycles where one is more dominant than the other, yeah. and so you know if you want to create uh, whether it's a life for yourself or a, or a better life for your clients, uh, then I think. Uh, whether it's a hybrid between the two or whether it's one or the other, uh, then time will tell. But I, I certainly see the the life planning space gathering momentum. And I think there's a big shift already from pure uh, or traditional financial planning across to life planning. And yeah. indeed, I think there's a, is a big shift between um, uh, people just doing life planning and not doing traditional um, financial planning. And I think for a lot of people coming out of the of maybe the end of their financial planning career, it's something that perhaps they they move into uh, naturally and uh, leave the the, uh, uh, the the traditional financial planning space. Yeah, absolutely. It's about diversification, like you said, and uh, you know it's like we're becoming portfolio entrepreneurs, where we have more we have a day job and sideline and a couple of. And it's good because you know we can see through COVID nineteen yeah. that your your business can uh, dry up, but yeah. if you've got a sideline, 
Uh, so, so the good thing about the uh, pure financial planning, because you don't need wet signatures, you can do it online. So you can do your Zoom meetings and you don't need to get signatures from your clients. So, so is, is this, is, I mean, I take it then, the one of the big attractions for this is everything is online. Uh, you don't need to have face-to-face -face, uh, meetings Absolutely. with people. Yeah. Um, so does that mean then you're not limited just to uh, even the UK? It could be a global entity as well? That's right. So a lot of my clients, I, as a pure financial planner, when they're, uh, I've had client meetings in Cape Verde, uh, okay. got a client in California, uh, I had one in Israel uh, last year. So my clientele are all over the world. They tend to be in English speaking, uh, but the academy is a, a network of advisors and those advisors around the world too. So I've got uh, Sam in Hong Kong, uh, I've got uh, John in Sweden, uh, I think Max is Germany. <laughs> so I have these guys everywhere around the world who tend to be international financial planners, expat community yeah. type thing, but not always. Um, but yeah, I've got, I've got interest in South Africa, interest in uh, America and Australia. So um, yeah, so it's pure, it, there's no borders when it's pure financial planning because it's not a regulated activity, you're not subject to, uh, you know, so you, you could do it from anywhere. So I have pictures on the website, people sat in deck chairs, you know, with their laptop, <laughs> being a financial planner or being a client, you know, from there, because you can really, literally, all you need is a laptop and Wi-Fi. Yeah, but the, the other advantage of, of that is not, it's uh, because there's no regulated product at the end of it, it doesn't matter uh, in what country you're in because you are not uh, providing advice on that area because that's where the difficulty is for uh, traditional financial planners. If you're not an expert, obviously, in different uh, territories, then you can't advise on those. Yeah. Uh, but with this uh, life planning approach, then the difference is that you were doing the life planning but you're not doing the investments, uh, they're doing that themselves. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so it, it's a, I think it's a, a better model for the future. Uh, and, and like I say, if, it, if it's not your main business, certainly consider it as a part of your portfolio to do something. It's also probably the most enjoyable part of the job. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I find filling in returns for the FCA or... <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this. Uh, well, I've been a financial advisor for uh, 30 plus years. Um, I'm counting. Uh, but the, the reason why I keep doing it is because of the clients. I love the interaction with the clients. Uh, the clients themselves, uh, you know, um, because you have a long, uh, long term relationship with clients, then, you know, you do get uh, quite close to them. So you're sharing the uh, challenges, obviously, the uh, successes, sadness, happiness, all those things. So, but I can't see why you can't have that uh, same uh, relationship or feeling with uh, people if you're doing it uh, via life planning uh, situation. So, on that subject or on that to the point, do you see this as a life plan as something where you have long-term relationships with people similar to a traditional advisor, or is this a sort of a more short-term um, project-type based uh, scenario? Yeah, so it's a kind of combination. Uh, so it tends to be, the game plan is a cycle. So it's a cycle of planning, typically around three months that you basically uh, put a plan in place for the client yeah. to have their dream and dream life and enjoy it wealth in every area of their life so they have a plan 
Um, at that point, then you're at a point of being a personal coach or a business coach. So with the two cases I gave you, I was involved with those companies. Uh, Workplace Pension Direct was actually a three-year contract. Um, I was a non-exec director at the end. And uh, again, with the uh, Blair Project, it was a five-year, I was a non-exec director. So it's a five-year contract. So it's ongoing with both of those. I mean, if I'm trying to create a million pounds plus you know, in time wealth, yeah. you kind of need to be there on a pretty ongoing basis. Uh, but for most clients, it's typically a three-month uh, cycle. And then they come back to you when they want you to repeat the cycle. So nice. with Emma, she was the accountant in London who didn't enjoy a nine-to-five, uh, was pretty miserable, and she ended up, after the plan, of moving to California and setting up as a holistic accountant in California, uh, in, in you know, Los Angeles, um she's delighted but then she came back to me again because she met somebody and wanted to uh, create a life where the two lives are mapped together intertwined a common future so she came back to me again and we did the planning again uh with her new husband to be included in the planning process so it was then repeated so i guess it depends on the kind of nature normally it's you know you might have achieved something and then want to um, come back to it. Uh, there's another lady called Kay who I've helped uh, set up a business. She was a nurse, sorry, worked for the NHS. I think it was admin actually at the side. But um, she had a sideline business which was to uh, 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 create a food tour. She ran food tours in some cities where you kind of mm -hmm. go around, you meet together, and you go around restaurants and things. Um, but I helped her branch out and diversify, which has been pretty good for the COVID-19 thing because she's now uh, a teacher for other women who want to set up food tours in other cities. So she's got a program because she used to be a teacher before she joined the NHS. So she's using all the skills and creating that. And now she's come back to me again and says, actually, I want to be a life planner because <laughs> I want to teach these women not just who want to set up food tours, but I want to show women who want to set up anything how to do that as a sideline and do what I've done and become, she's a full time. She gave up within six months. She gave up a job at the NHS and was doing a bit full time. And she's now one joined the Academy as a life planner. And uh, she's doing that as well as her training ladies to be food tour managers. So to become a, so to become a life planner based on what you've just said is that you don't necessarily have to be a, a financial advisor to, to, to be able to do this. You can do this from any walks of life. As long as yeah. you've got, you know, the, the sort of, uh, I suppose, the, the basic skills and um, uh, the willingness to learn and do this, uh, then anybody can do it. Yeah, the level of skill depends on the, your market, your target yeah. audience. So if you're going to serve the community that the um, regulated financial advisors serve, which is the top 5%, yeah. then you probably need to be a skilled planner. Yeah. But if you're going to help uh, ladies who kind of don't like their day job as a teacher or at NHS, and you think a case qualification, she said to me, is that she's a daughter of a Yorkshire banker. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good on this combination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a good combination. So, uh, you know, but she's just going to show them how to budget, how to make the money uh, go further, how to to overcome budgetary obstacles uh, when you're moving from employed to the real world as I call it um, and you know, do what all the lessons that she's learned 
because at that level that's all that you need you know um, 60 percent of the population have uh, less than five thousand pound in savings and many of them are in heavily yeah. in debt i think the average debt is now 50 percent of annual pay that's unsecured debt and you've got your mortgage on top of that and it's really managing that situation where uh, the traditional financial planner is probably probably not as well equipped as somebody who's the sort of a yorkshire banker might be but it's uh, but that's her niche and uh, so it's horses for courses top end yeah we have many chartered chartered and certified financial yeah. planners um, and at the uh, the kind of less affluent end then uh, just uh, being able to be have good housekeeping financially uh, that, that's good qualification um, for, for that end. and at the end of the day we're planning the client rather than the money and the money's kind right. of uh, incidental so. I think one of the things that um, um, I know is included in this is cash flow planning as well yes so um, you know that's that's a key component part of this uh, life planning so can you tell me a little bit more or you know, for the audience's purposes, uh, more about the cash planning aspect of it. And, yeah. uh, you know, just to get a, a provide us with a picture, I suppose, in terms of how that works. It does. Sorry. Okay. So the game plan is, uh, first of all, we have to plan the client, which is goals yeah. and action. So an action plan is like a project plan. Yeah. So the goal is where you create goals in every area of the client's life. So it's there in their mind, in their body, in their heart and spirit, kind of every aspect, and the bank account. And uh, action plan is where we do a project plan for the client. And that's then with the client has got a life plan. Now then you need to look at the money and you need to create the financial architecture necessary to support the life plan. And that's where the lifetime cash flow forecasting tools come in because basically that looks at your lifetime cash flow. Yeah. Uh, the process uh, means so the game plan is where you look at the money and you look at uh, not just wealth management, but wealth creation strategies, the business of you, the sideline business yeah. plan, put that in the cash flow and that makes good shortfalls. I call that that process, how process about how you do that, the financial freedom forecasting, because what you're doing is you're helping people escape the treadmill of work existence or to give up, you know, or to diversify away from the regulated practice because it's, a risk by the regulator and try and free up people. And so we can model all of that in the financial freedom forecast and using lifetime cash flow tools. Okay. And then that outputs of that pictures of the uh, cash flow of uh, income of expenses of the net worth of the client can be dropped into a report to explain the story about this is where you are. Um, and then we do what if scenarios, which where we say, uh, with the business plan of view, if you've got one customer a week doing your uh, whatever it might be, <laughs> food tours yeah. or whatever it is, you know, then then this is we put that in the model and look, oh look, all the red has gone there, your shortfalls have gone. So we then make that into a plan. We say, yeah, if you left your day job, then we have to take the salary out. Yeah. Uh, if, but then you've got access to your pension at fifty-five, you can perhaps take some from that and uh, you know we, we kind of might need advice for that to see so <laughs> yeah well you could tell you could tell people um generic advice about what the pros and cons are of various actions because often i get asked you know isn't that regulated advice and the regulated advice is if you're um talk about specific 
product, giving specific advice relevant for that individual to a specific product. If you educate them, I mean, sometimes someone comes to me with a product and said, what's this? Tell me about, explain this to me. And you can do that. You say, yeah, that's, you know, this is a guaranteed annuity rate. This is market value adjustment and all this sort of thing. And and if you needed, if you wanted to shift that, you'd have to go and see a regulated advisor because it it has protected benefits. The cost of a regulated advisor might be, you know, give them an idea, but it's going to vary from one advisor to another. So if you want to go that, down that route, you see a transactional, traditional advisor, you know. So that sometimes is the case. Um, I have a client called Ian, who's actually a chief executive of a uh, bank. A large bank, bank, yes. A yeah, large bank. bank, yes. I thought I'd burn my bridges with the, <laughs> the directors at the large bank 10 years ago. But no, they, because they, I you know, stuck to my guns and trust me and come to me want my advice. Um, so I've done a life plan for Ian and his wife. And uh, it, involves, it involves him leaving the bank. Uh, he did have an option to stay on another five years and do some voluntary work. Uh, in the Far East building schools with his wife so that's what he wants to do Uh, he's an actuary he uh, said I've got this pension pot and I want to go a defined benefit pension scheme I want to shift it look at shifting it because uh, I want the flexibility he understood that and said well the only one way to do that and go and see a regulated advisor so I made an introduction to a regulated advisor for that client and uh, he's actually he says he knows how to run his own money but they won't let him do that for 12 months uh, they want to run it for him for at least 12 months but they, you know it's going to cost him 10 grand to do the analysis and uh, you know he's going to be with them for 12 months but it's uh, so I, that's the way i deal with it and that does come up the need for transactional work from time to time but in terms of his cash flow forecasts and everything his life plan that's all done by me uh, and he's paid pay me for that so yeah, that's the way you work. Uh, some other clients uh, might use discretionary managers. And, uh, you know, so, uh, so the lady, lady I was talking to this week, she's got, uh, uh, she uh, is actually the granddaughter of the person that set up the stockbroker stock <laughs> uh, about you know, um, many years ago. And uh, so some trust work she, that I did when I was a regulated advisor for her that she wanted me to help her because it's now beyond the seven years and she wants to kind of uh, give the money to the beneficiaries. Um, and so, you know, that's, I could talk generically about that pros and cons. It's a bit like when you're answering an exam question and they're asking you about trust, you know, what explain the different trust and taxation treatment and if people assign policies or exit trusts what the pros and cons are from tax perspectives you could do all of that as a pure financial planner Uh, but what you you know you don't do is uh, make uh, product specific recommendations to either invest in or divest from a an investment a regulated investment product so yeah, I think this this part of it is quite a hot topic at the moment. It's, it it's when does life planning become uh, regulated advice, uh, etc. So it's um, there is a divide by there, and I think that you've got to separate the two of them. Yeah, so it's good to have you know support um, in making those decisions. Uh, so you know, I had one member say to me that they had um, they were doing a pension. Uh, lifetime allowance uh, there was a like lifetime allowance tax liability and they're wondering which pension pot to take it from 
Okay. Uh, yeah. and they didn't. They didn't know that that was a regulated activity. So, right. Okay. I say if you tell them which part to take it from, you you kind of because they were wondering, you know, if you make a mistake, then aren't you covered on the professional indemnity insurance? And I said to them, well, actually, what you're doing is regulated activity, and it should be covered by professional indemnity yeah, insurance. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So it's not not clear cut, and it does help to have. Um, this is why the uh, what I thought was missing in the industry was a network support mechanism for people who are in this space working in pure financial planning so um, is is that one of the, i think that's one of the differences with uh, your academy is where uh, uh where people are part of other life planning groups uh the ongoing support is is not as great as what you were offering with the uh, your academy yeah that's right I, th- I think with the other academies they tend to be training companies uh, and trainers uh, they'll do a 10-week program and then you can't come out the door and uh, not knowing who to go back to. I know that some of them are starting to add on the ongoing piece. Some of the big, big organisations don't really have anything on an ongoing basis. Uh, some of the big gurus in the marketplace uh, tend to have this non, non-to-many business model where uh, they, you, know, you, you pay $45 yeah. a month and, and you can download ebooks and yeah. uh, courses to view but you're not actually getting access to a person yeah so so if you've got specific problems so you, you want to know if is this regulated or not yeah. uh, you know, then and you haven't got someone to talk to so i wanted to provide that support like you would get from a network yeah. i used to one of the things i used to do before i was head of investments in the bank uh, is i used to run uh, the fourth largest ifa network in the uk uh, which is Barclay Independent Advisors in Coventry, uh, had 1,200 advisors. So I, I was the sole director of that um, for a period before setting out to tenant group. And so I know what it's like to kind of run a network. I thought, well, let's combine that skill with life planning and, and you know, so provide the network support as well as the planning support. And uh, so and that's why I say to uh, the members of the academy, I say, Use your skills. You know, there's a reason why you did that for six months or did that yeah. because you need that skill in what you're doing. You need to combine. If you're great with people and great with numbers, you you need to be a people person working with yeah. numbers. And that, and that's the idea of when you're planning your client for the planners to do with their clients. If they're great at um, teaching and great at the food, they're a foodie. Yeah. Perhaps it should teach people about food, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the idea because you can that makes you unique and uh, not it's not a problem with competition. You really stand out. And that's what makes you succeed. And the way I say it is, we all have this like God-given gift, and our purpose in life is to use it in the service of others. And often this planning process is about revealing what that gift is and what that life purpose is, and, and doing it as a commercially. Because that way you're going to be more successful in life and create wealth in your life uh, rather than being on the treadmill for the best part of 50 years taking this back. So, so that's the. It sounds, no, it sounds great. I think it sounds like, I mean, you were clearly enjoying it. Um, Where do you, where do you either see or or hope to see where your academy is going uh, going? Yeah, I mean, I've got to do what I preach in terms of make it a legacy. Uh, so a lasting legacy that's bigger than me, that's lasting beyond when I've gone. Because the journey is uh, in life, the financial planning journey is it begins in 
we're in suffering. We're kind of uh, out of our depth in debt. Uh, we were two paychecks away from poverty. You know, that's the suffering. The first part that like the pure financial planner does is help people into wisdom through the financial education. So you're delivering financial education. So they now see that, the error of their ways. And um, the next journey is to financial security. So you've got the likes of pay work from that end about budgets and bank accounts and stuff to get them sort of financially secure. And they're not, you know, you've got the more than two paychecks from poverty. But this is where the, then the traditional financial planner comes in, is helping them from security to freedom is the next journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, But when they've attained freedom, often in retirement for many, there is another journey which is from the freedom to the legacy to creating something that's bigger than yourself. that's going to be here long after you're gone. Okay. You're remembered by, and that's the kind of part of the journey where I'm on at the moment moving, moving there. But it's, um, it's like based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is you, you have the uh, physiological needs at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, you've got to have a roof over your head, food on your plate and that sort yeah. of thing. And then the security needs where you need security for you and your family. And then there's a, uh, there's the relationship needs where you start to relate, which is the area of the heart. And then there's a self-esteem needs where it becomes intellect and about what you can achieve. And then it used to be the Maslow's hierarchy when it came out, self-actualization, and that's been the best you could be. It's the top of the pyramid. But then uh, in his last year before he died, Maslow found self-transcendence, which was the legacy, the need to do something bigger than yourself and to help other people was actually the, the next need. And um, that's really the, the legacy. So that, for me, the academy I've got to work on uh, taking myself out of it eventually <laughs> so that it, it continues as a, a business to serve planners well into the future and clients, you know, well into the future, long after I'm gone. Uh, I think that's a challenge uh, most business people have. But um, I think that the structure that you are uh, a forming uh, is going to make that certainly possible and uh, many other people are going to benefit from that as well so there's a question we're coming towards the end now, but there's a question yeah. i like to ask all of my uh, guests and uh, because it's tt wealth so it's yes. the question i've got is what does wealth mean to you okay i think um this the if you look at the original definition of wealth it's not about uh, what you have in your bank account. Right. Uh, it's abundance in uh, every area of your life. So some people, there's sayings that some people are so poor, all they have is money. Uh, there's people that are kind of uh, rich in the heart, but not in the bank account. So you have these contrasts of wealth. So I think it's uh, abundance in every area of your life is wealth in a balanced way. So I, I call that physically, and so uh, that'd be well-being. Yeah, it's probably well-being is good. So you have physical well-being, yeah. you have mental well-being, Correct. you have em emotional well-being, spiritual well-being, and financial well-being. <laughs> so it's wealth. Wealth for me is uh, is a wealth in every area of your life. If you are deficient in one of those areas, then you are suffering okay. as a result of that. So. Or I also know that's part, very much at the centre of your life planning. Yes, yeah. To examine all aspects and trying to create that balance um, so that you have, um, uh, as you say, wealth in every area and you, as a result of that, then you have and live a happy life. 
That's right. So, yeah, so the, you know, the book that you referred to at the beginning, you know, uh, Your Money or Your Life is about the difficult choices people have to make. Yeah. But I mean, it's Unmask the Highway Robbers, which is the kind of the banks and things that what they're doing. But enjoy wealth in every area of your life. And that's the, that's the game plan, delivering that as a way to overcome this trap uh, that we have, the treadmill trap and give freedom, deliver empowerment back to the member of the public uh, through pure financial planning that's, uh, because there's no product involved, there's no conflict of interest, there's no conflict of remuneration, uh, the interest of the planner is aligned with the interest of the client, uh, the planner is acting as an agent of the client, not the product provider. So, uh, you know, this I think is the, the way to help individuals achieve wealth in every area of their life. Uh, and it's the vocation of a pure financial planner to facilitate that. Uh, well, it sounds to me that everybody needs a life plan. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, okay, so for any, we're coming to an end now. So for anybody who wants to find out more about you or in particular uh, the Academy of Life Planning, either as a client or as a, an actual life planner itself, so where would they find you? Yeah, so you find us on the internet at www.academyoflifeplanning.com. So that's academyoflifeplanning.com. There is a shortened version, which is aolp.co.uk. That's aolp.co.uk. Yeah, that's a short version. But everything you need is there. Uh, contact details, details of the Academy for Planners, and for direct customers as well. Okay, all those links I'll put in the uh, the show notes, so uh, people will be able to find you easily on there. So, uh, Steve, thank you for your time. Uh, I've really enjoyed it, and I'm, <coughs> I'm sure that the listeners uh, will also enjoy your story, which I found fascinating. I think uh, the Academy of Life planners or planning is going to go from strength to strength. And uh, so, thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. All right, catch up soon. Yeah, catch you soon. All right, take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find links to everything that we've discussed in the show notes. And if you'd like to know more about what I do or see more great money tips to build a secure and a happy lifestyle, then you can find all of these on my website, ttwealth.co.uk, on my YouTube channel, TTWealth. If you want to work with me, then why not book a free 30-minute call to find out how? You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also produce a bi-monthly newsletter, TT Wealth News, which contains practical money tips that is free for you to download from my website. And if you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something that you've enjoyed and you think will benefit someone you know, then please do share with them. I'm sure they will appreciate it. So it's goodbye until next time. And remember, live for today, invest for tomorrow.